chapter forty eight of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray chapter forty eight a visit of politeness costigan never roused pen from his slumbers there was no hostile message from mr huckster to disturb him and when pen woke it was with a brisker and more lively feeling than ordinarily attends that moment in the day of the tired and blase london man a city man wakes up to care and consoles and the thoughts of change and the counting-house take possession of him as soon as sleep flies from under his nightcap a lawyer rouses himself with the early morning to think of the case that will take him all his day to work upon and the inevitable attorney to whom he has promised his papers ere night which of us has not his anxiety instantly present when his eyes are opened to it and to the world after his night's sleep kind strengthener that enables us to face the day's task with renewed heart beautiful ordinance of providence that creates rest as it awards labour mr pendennis's labour or rather his disposition was of that sort that his daily occupations did not much interest him for the excitement of literary composition pretty soon subsides with the hired labourer and the delight of seeing oneself in print only extends to the first two or three appearances in the magazine or newspaper page pegasus put into harness and obliged to run a stage every day is as prosaic as any other hack and won't work without his whip or his feet of corn so indeed mr arthur performed his work at the pell-mell gazette and since his success as a novelist with an increased salary but without the least enthusiasm doing his best or pretty nearly and sometimes writing ill and sometimes well he was a literary hack naturally fast in pace and brilliant in action neither did society or that portion which he saw excite or amuse him overmuch in spite of his brag and boast to the contrary he was too young as yet for women's society which probably can only be had in perfection when a man has ceased to think about his own person and has given up all designs of being a conqueror of ladies he was too young to be admitted as an equal amongst men who had made their mark in the world and of whose conversation he could scarcely as yet expect to be more than a listener and he was too old for the men of pleasure of his own age too much a man of pleasure for the men of business destined in a word to be a good deal alone fate awards this lot of solitude to many a man and many like it from taste as many without difficulty bear it pendennis in reality suffered it very equanimously but in words and according to his wont grumbled over it not a little what a nice little artless creature that was mr penn thought at the very instant of waking after the vauxhall affair what a pretty natural manner she has how much pleasanter than the monauderies of the young ladies in the ballrooms and here he recalled to himself some instances of what he could not help seeing was the artful simplicity of miss blanche and some of the stupid graces of other young ladies in the polite world who could have thought that such a pretty rose could grow in a porter's lodge 
or bloom in that dismal old flower-pot of a shepherd's inn so she learns to sing from old bows if her singing voice is as sweet as her speaking voice it must be pretty i like those low voiles voices what would you like me to call you indeed poor little fanny it went to my heart to adopt the grand air with her and tell her to call me sir but we'll have no nonsense of that sort no faust and margaret business for me that old bows so he teaches her to sing does he he's a dear old fellow old bows a gentleman in those old clothes a philosopher and with a kind heart too how good he was to me in the fotheringay business he too has had his griefs and his sorrows i must cultivate old bows a man ought to see people of all sorts i'm getting tired of genteel society besides there's nobody in town yes i'll go and see bows and costigan too what a rich character begat i'll study him and put him into a book in this way our young anthropologist talked with himself and as saturday was the holiday of the week the pell-mell gazette making its appearance upon that day and the contributors to that journal having no further calls upon their brains or ink-bottles mr pendennis determined he would take advantage of his leisure and pay a visit to shepherd's inn of course to see old bows the truth is that if arthur had been the most determined roue and artful lovelace who ever set about deceiving a young girl he could hardly have adopted better means for fascinating and overcoming poor little fanny bolton than those which he had employed on the previous night his dandified protecting air his conceit generosity and good-humour the very sense of good and honesty which had enabled him to check the tremulous advances of the young creature and not to take advantage of that little fluttering sensibility his faults and his virtues at once contributed to make her admire him and if we could peep into fanny's bed which she shared in a cupboard along with those two little sisters to whom we have seen mr costigan administering gingerbread and apples we should find the poor little maid tossing upon her mattress to the great disturbance of its other two occupants and thinking over all the delights and events of that delightful eventful night and all the words looks and actions of arthur its splendid hero many novels had fanny read in secret and at home in three volumes and in numbers periodical literature had not reached the height which it has attained subsequently and the girls of fanny's generation were not enabled to purchase sixteen pages of excitement for a penny rich with histories of crime murder oppressed virtue and the heartless seductions of the aristocracy but she had had the benefit of the circulating library which in conjunction with her school and a small brandy-ball and millinery business miss minifer kept and arthur appeared to her at once as the type and realization of all the heroes of all those darling greasy volumes which the young girl had devoured mr penn we have seen was rather a dandy about shirts and haberdashery in general fanny had looked with delight at the fineness of his linen at the brilliancy of his shirt studs at his elegant cambric pocket-handkerchief and white gloves and at the jetty brightness of his charming boots the prince had appeared and subjugated the poor little handmaid his image traversed constantly her restless slumbers the tone of his voice the bright light of his eyes the generous look half love half pity the manly protecting smile the frank winning laughter all these were repeated in the girl's fond memory 
she felt still his arm encircling her and saw him smiling so grand as he filled up that delicious glass of champagne and then she thought of the girls her friends who used to sneer at her of emma baker who was so proud forsooth because she was engaged to a cheesemonger in a white apron near clare market and of betsy rogers who made such a to-do about her young man an attorney's clerk indeed that went about with a bag so that at about two o'clock in the afternoon the bolton family having concluded their dinner and mr b who besides his place of porter of the inn was in the employ of messrs tressler the eminent undertakers of the strand being absent in the country with the countess of estrich's hearse when a gentleman in a white hat and white trousers made his appearance under the inn archway and stopped at the porter's wicket fanny was not in the least surprised only delightful only happy and blushing beyond all measure she knew it could be no other than he she knew he'd come there he was there was his royal highness beaming upon her from the gate she called to her mother who was busy in the upper apartment mamma mamma and ran to the wicket at once and opened it pushing aside the other children how she blushed as she gave her hand to him how affably he took off his white hat as he came in the children staring up at him he asked mrs bolton if she had slept well after the fatigues of the night and hoped she had no headache and he said that as he was going that way he could not pass the door without asking news of his little partner mrs bolton was perhaps rather shy and suspicious about these advances but mr penn's good humour was inexhaustible he could not see that he was unwelcome he looked about the premises for a seat and none being disengaged for a dish cover was on one a work-box on the other and so forth he took one of the children's chairs and perched himself upon that uncomfortable eminence at this the children began laughing the child fanny louder than all at least she was more amused than any of them and amazed at his royal highness's condescension he to sit down in that chair that little child's chair many and many a time after she regarded it haven't we almost all such furniture in our rooms that our fancy peoples with dear figures that our memory fills with sweet smiling faces which may never look on us more so penn sat down and talked away with great volubility to mrs bolton he asked about the undertaking business and how many mutes went down with lady estrich's remains and about the inn and who lived there he seemed very much interested about mr campion's cabin horse and had met that gentleman in society he thought he should like shares in the poleweedle and threadiddlum did mrs bolton do for those chambers were there any chambers to let in the inn it was better than the temple he should like to come to live in shepherd's inn as for captain strong and colonel altamont was his name he was deeply interested in them too the captain was an old friend at home he had dined with him at chambers here before the colonel came to live with him what sort of man was the colonel wasn't he a stout man with a large quantity of jewellery and a wig and large black whiskers very black here pen was immensely waggish and caused hysteric giggles of delight from the ladies very black indeed in fact blue-black that is to say a rich greenish purple that was the man he had met him too at sir f r blank's in society oh we know said the ladies sir f blank is sir f clavering he's often here two or three times a week with the captain my little boy has been out for bill stamps for him 
oh lor i beg pardon i shouldn't have mentioned no secrets mrs bolton blurted out being talked perfectly into good nature by this time but we know you to be a gentleman mr pendennis for i'm sure you have shown that you can behave as such hasn't mr pendennis fanny fanny loved her mother for that speech she cast up her dark eyes to the low ceiling and said oh that he has i'm sure ma with a voice full of feeling pen was rather curious about the bill stamps and concerning the transactions in strong's chambers and he asked when altamont came and joined the chevalier whether he too was out for bill stamps who he was whether he saw many people and so forth these questions put with considerable adroitness by pen who was interested about sir francis clavering's doings from private motives of his own were artlessly answered by mrs bolton and to the utmost of her knowledge and ability which in truth were not very great these questions answered and pen being at a loss for more luckily recollected his privilege as a member of the press and asked the ladies whether they would like any orders for the play the play was their delight as it is almost always the delight of every theatrical person when bolton was away professionally it appeared that of late the porter of shepherd's inn had taken a serious turn drank a good deal and otherwise made himself unpleasant to the ladies of his family they would like of all things to slip out and go to the theatre little barney their son keeping the lodge and mr pendennis's most generous and most genteel compliment of orders was received with boundless gratitude by both mother and daughter fanny clapped her hands with pleasure her face beamed with it she looked and nodded and laughed at her mamma who nodded and laughed in her turn mrs bolton was not superannuated for pleasure yet or by any means too old for admiration she thought and very likely mr pendennis in his conversation with her had insinuated some compliments or shaped his talk so as to please her at first against pen and suspicious of him she was his partisan now and almost as enthusiastic about him as her daughter when two women get together to like a man they help each other on each pushes the other forward and the second out of sheer sympathy becomes as eager as the principal at least so it is said by philosophers who have examined this science so the offer of the play tickets and other pleasantries put all parties into perfect good humour except for one brief moment when one of the younger children hearing the name of ashley's pronounced came forward and stated that she should like very much to go too on which fanny said don't bother rather sharply and mamma said get long betsy jane do now and play in the court so that the two little ones namely betsy jane and amelia anne went away in their little innocent pinafores and disported in the courtyard on the smooth gravel round about the statue of shepherd the great and here as they were playing they very possibly communicated with an old friend of theirs and dweller in the inn for while pen was making himself agreeable to the ladies at the lodge who were laughing delighted at his sallies an old gentleman passed under the archway from the inn square and came and looked in at the door of the lodge he made a very blank and rueful face when he saw mr arthur seated upon a table like macheath in the play in easy discourse with mrs bolton and her daughter what mr bowes how do you do bowes cried out pen in a cheery loud voice i was coming to see you and was asking your address of these ladies you were coming to see me were you sir bowes said and came in with a sad face and shook hands with arthur plague on that old man somebody thought in the room and so perhaps someone else besides her End of chapter forty eight